is good to be back. <laughs> Thank you so much. Three months feels like a long time. It is so, so good to be back with you guys uh, this morning. So kids, you can be released. Um, I really want to begin by saying thank you to, to so many. This, the past three months while I was on sabbatical was really an, an unexpected joy, uh, unexpected in the sense that I knew I, that I needed rest and renewal, but I don't think I realized the true depth to how much I needed that until I was in it. And I'm just so grateful for, for so many of you to, to allow me the, the, the privilege of that time to be able to step back from the, the routine of, of life and of, of ministry to really just press in and hear the voice of God in my own life and what He has for us in the years to come. It, it was really just a, a tremendous, tremendous joy. And I'll be sharing about that more like towards the end. You, you'll hear some things that, that God has spoken to me personally in that, but, but really this morning I, I want to walk through a psalm that God used, and it was something my wife and I were going through psalms during the sabbatical, and when we read it, it was one of those moments where you're like, that's it. Like, this is what we've been experiencing. And so I want to share that with you, but before I do, I kind of want to begin by painting a picture in your mind. Because on the first day of my journal, like I sat down and I've been journaling throughout, so I think it was just a couple weeks before the sabbatical ended, I actually ran out of ink in my pen. I journaled so much. I was like, oh, I, this was a brand new pen. It's completely empty now. There was that much writing. But on the first day, this is what I wrote. Like, today's the day. I was in a mountain, like uh, on a mountain up in West Virginia, overlooking this beautiful scenery. And I was like, my first day of my sabbatical and nothing magical. <laughs> like, I don't know what I was expecting, but it's like I'm sitting in this cabin, like here it is, now what? And I was like, I'm, I'm excited, I'm nervous, I'm hopeful, I'm doubtful. Like my main hope is what I wrote. Lord, meet with me. Give me ears to hear and eyes to see you at work during this time. I knew that's what I needed. I didn't know how he was going to answer that prayer. But standing here now at the end, I can say that he did answer that prayer. He was faithful to speak. Things that were encouraging, things that were convicting. God was faithful. So on the screen, hopefully you see a picture of this mountain with a pathway leading to the top. And I want you to have this image in your mind. I want you to imagine that, that together we're standing in the valley at the base of this mountain, looking up at the top, the journey that lay ahead. I want you to imagine that the expectation is, as we look to the top of the mountain, that that is where you hope to meet with God. At the top of that mountain, you're going to, to hear His voice. You're going to come to know Him more fully. There will be illumination. There will be discovery. There will be peace and enlightenment and knowledge and wisdom when you reach the top of that mountain. What would you hope to hear from His Word? Is there encouragement are you feeling like discouraged this morning, broken, and you're like, what I really need to hear is the voice of God speaking words of comfort. 
Do you need clarity? There's decisions that need to be made, and there's confusion. And Lord, would you speak and bring clarity to all this confusion? Speak wisdom into that. Is there comfort? What would you hope to hear the voice of God say? And then looking at the path, the steep climb. Maybe you're feeling a little out of shape spiritually, physically. Can I make it? Is there excitement? At the top of the mountain, I'm going to hear God's voice. We can do this. Or is there nerves? Like, would I recognize his voice? As a pastor, I get the question often, how do I know the will of God? How do you discern the voice of God? Would I recognize his voice if I heard it? What does it mean to hear the voice of God? There's so many questions. How do you feel along the path? And then we begin the walk, the climb up the mountain. Early on in the sabbatical, I I used to begin my day, and I'll talk about this by saying, okay, where's my heart at before entering? But I've changed that. God really led me to join this time saying, Lord, here's my heart. Speak what is true. Here's my heart because in all honesty, I don't know how I'm feeling. I don't know my own heart. You know me better than I know myself. So Lord, here it is. I'm going to look to you. You show me what I need to see of my own heart. Speak what is true. What do I need to hear? What do I need to know about who you are? What do I need to know about who I am? Lord, speak what is true. And here's the big picture. The main point at the end, if you want it right up front, is this. God does not begin speaking when you get to the top of the mountain. He's been speaking all along. He speaks to you in the valley. He's speaking to you along the path. He's speaking to you as you climb the mountain, as you descend the mountain. God is speaking. Now, the question we need to ask ourselves this morning is, are we listening? That's what we're going to see in today's psalm. So if you will, would you stand with me as I pray in preparation to hear God's Word, and then I want to read Psalm 19 together. So stand with me. Let's pray and then read. Lord, I thank you for the joy it is to be back this morning, Lord, with our church family. And as we surrender ourselves this morning in this moment, to the authority of your word, Lord. I pray what what you've led me to pray every day in these past months. Lord, here's my heart. Speak what is true. Give me ears to hear and eyes to see the beauty of your word in the face of Jesus Christ. Speak, Lord, and help us to listen well. And in Jesus' name, amen beginning in verse 1 of Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the expanse proclaims the work of His hands. Day after day they pour out speech. Night after night they communicate knowledge. There is no speech. There are no words. Their voice is not heard. Their message has gone out to the whole earth and their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, he has pitched a tent for the sun 
It is like a bridegroom coming from his home. It rejoices like an athlete running its course. It rises from one end of the heavens and circles to the other end. Nothing is hidden from its heat. The instruction of the Lord is perfect. Renewing one's life, the testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. The precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. The command of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are reliable and altogether righteous. They are more desirable than gold, than an abundance of pure gold, and sweeter than honey dripping from the honeycomb. In addition, your servant is warned by them, and in keeping them there is an an abundant reward. Who perceives his unintentional sins? Cleanse me from my hidden faults. Moreover, keep your servant from willful sins. Do not let them rule me. Then, then I will be blameless and cleansed from blatant rebellion. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This is God's word. You may be seated. I want us to see this from, from the, the beginning. What it says here, when it says the heavens declare the glory of God, this is the expanse above us. It's the sun, the moon, the stars, the clouds, the expanse of God's creation. And what does it say? It declares, it declares the glory of God. You can't declare something in a whisper. It is meant to be loud and and forceful. The Declaration of Independence was not a whispered desire of freedom from tyranny. It was a declaration, a statement. The heavens declare the glory of God. The expanse, it proclaims. There is a proclamation. Here are the works of God. Behold them. Do you hear them? The Creator's voice is speaking. There is proclamation. There is declaration. And then it goes on. It pours out speech day and night. Day after day, night after night. Speech pours out. It literally means to bubble up and overflow. Now, I ask permission because what this reminded me of was my oldest child, Eleanor. She knows I'm about to say this. When she was a toddler, she had this ability to continue to speak without breathing. I'm convinced of it. She never took a breath. I timed it once at dinner. I was like, how long can she talk before she takes a breath? I stopped at five minutes. And it kept going. Like, whatever input she received be it visually, she heard it, it would come out in either words or song. She saw it and it came out in song. It was just this constant, constant voice. And I'm like, that's kind of what this is saying, right? Like this pouring out of speech is this bubbling up and overflowing. This is God. 
speaking and speaking and speaking and speaking. Behold the glory of my hands. Behold who I am. The voice of God declaring, proclaiming who he is. It never stops. It just keeps going. You can time it. He's not taking a pause to breathe. He is proclaiming day and night who he is. But then verse 3 is kind of odd, isn't it? Like, okay, he's, he's declaring, he's proclaiming, it's pouring out speech, but now there's no speech. Now there's no words, and their voice is not heard. What does that mean? Let me ask you this. Does a painter's canvas tell us something about the artist? Does a building that an architect designed tell us something about the engineer, a sculptor. It's communication without words. It's not human language. It's not as if there's this booming voice coming from the sky declaring the glory of God. It's not using man-made words, and yet it is no less speech in the voice of God declaring who he is, the handiwork of his hands. Romans 1 says that since what can be known about God, it's evident. It's evident to us because God has shown it to them. The invisible attributes of God, the things that cannot be seen about who God is, are seen. These things about the eternal power of God, the divine nature of God, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world. It's being understood by what He has made. And it's true for everyone at all time. As a result, people are without an excuse. What about people who have never heard there is a God? Creation is declaring it day and night of who he is. Are we listening? Are we listening? Their message has gone out to the whole world, it says in verse 4. And their words... This message of the glory of God to the ends of the world. In the heavens, he has pitched a tent for the sun. And he's like, just in case, if you don't understand what I'm saying, let me help you see how the sun that rises in the east and sets in the west declares who God is. See, in the heavens, he has pitched a tent for the sun. Verse 5, it is like a bridegroom coming from his home. Do you see it as it rises in the east? The one who is faithful, the one who rises day after day after day is the faithfulness of God who promised that he would come and here he is, the bridegroom, coming on the day of the ceremony. It's like an athlete. After winning the race and they take the flag and they do the victory lap as the crowd cheers, is the sun crossing the sky above us. The victory of God on display, his faithfulness day and night. The victory lap of God. It rises in verse 6 from one end of the heavens and circles to the other end. Nothing is hidden from its heat. Who can hide from God? We feel that, don't we? I feel it now. I'm sweating. The AC didn't want to work this morning. Or it's like late getting on. Like we feel it's heat. We try to hide from it, right? We try to escape it, but we can't. We just hide inside and turn the AC to max and try to stay cool. 
Like this is, it's declaring the sun itself, the heat we experience is declaring something of who God is. It's demonstrating, it's vocalizing the glory of God in the work of his hands. Creation is speaking day after day, moment after moment. But are we listening? The the psalm continues to talk about the voice of God and how God speaks. Because see, in verse 19, it's all about God communicating his character and his purposes to mankind. Verses 1 through 6 is saying how God generally does that to all people through creation. In theological terms, this is called general revelation. God communicating these invisible attributes to himself to all people so that no one has an excuse. I didn't know there was a God. Look outside. It's clear. But then there's special revelation. The way God specifically talks to his people through his written word, the author's voice through his word, the Bible. And I want us to see in these verses how it's described, how it's talked about. Is there any question? Well, how do I know if what I see or hear is, is, is from God? We have God's perfect word, and he is speaking. Look at what it says in verse 7. The instruction of the Lord is, is perfect. Perfect, without fault, without error, without compromise, without agenda. It's perfect, and it renews life. Like, have you ever felt like you're running on empty, like the car that just has fumes, and you're trying to get to the gas station, and that's how life feels? Like, I'm tired, God. I'm beat down. I don't know if I can keep going. And he's like, look, my word is perfect. It renews. It fuels. It's like high octane, no additives, nothing. It is pure, unadulterated word of God being spoken and it, it has the power to renew life. The testimony of the Lord. It's trustworthy. Can I trust what's being said? Is the testimony true? What's the motive behind it? We see this all the time when it comes to news, social media. Is it fake? Is it real? What, what's your agenda? What's your motive behind it? The testimony of God is fully, completely trustworthy. It makes the inexperienced wise... Is there questions? Are you looking for direction, for clarity? Lord, I don't know which way to go. Who can I trust? Whose voice should I listen to? And God's saying, listen to my testimony. It's true. You feel unwise. You feel inexperienced to make the decision for the path that lay ahead of you. Listen to my counsel and there is wisdom for the inexperienced. The precepts of the Lord are right. They make the heart glad. The command of the Lord, it's, it's radiant. It gives light to the eyes, it says. The fear of the Lord, it's, it's pure, enduring forever. They're reliable and righteous. It's more desirable than gold, it says. A truckload, if you, had, if you could have the opportunity to have a tractor trailer full of pure gold, but you would forget everything you knew from God's word, and you would never be able to open it again. But you would have all the money you could dream of the rest of your life. Or you could have God's word. 
Those are your options. Which would you choose? Anyone who values their eternal soul would say, I'll take God's word every day, all day. Because only by it will I know the will and counsel of God. Only then will my heart be able to surrender to Jesus Christ. All the money in the world cannot do that. Like, do we believe that? Like, really? Really believe that? That it's more valuable than gold. It's sweeter than honey dripping from the honeycomb. Let me ask you this. Do you believe that these truths are true for you this morning? The truths here in Psalm 19, what it says of creation, what it says of God's Word, is that true for you this morning? Is God speaking through His creation? Has God been declaring, proclaiming His invisible attributes to you all last week? Was his voice continuing to speak and speak and speak, overflowing? Is God's word perfect and true, holding in our hands? So here's the question Are you listening? Like if I were to ask you, how has God spoken in this past week? What would you say? What have you heard? Too often, I think as Christians, we can wait for that mountaintop experience. It's going to be later. Like when we get to the pinnacle of that mountain, oh, we're going to hear God's voice speak. It's going to be like a burning bush right? We're going to hear his voice. I mean, the clouds are going to break, the light's going to shine and illuminate the path, and he's going to speak, and that's going to be amazing. But until then, we just go on about our lives. And all the while, God is speaking and speaking and speaking. But sometimes we are just moving too fast. We're too distracted. And it's not that God isn't speaking to us, it's that we aren't listening. We fail to stop and just watch the sunrise, watch the sunset. There was this moment we were at uh, Marco Island and we're standing on the beach and I love the Gulf Coast. And we went to watch the, the sunset. And what was surprising to me is there was like a crowd. Like everyone had left the beach. We all went home. We showered. We didn't stay through the heat. We went home. We ate. And then when the sun was about to set, we came back to the beach. And so did a crowd of other people. And we all stood there on the shore. We watched the sun set. People cheered. And then we left. And it was this interesting moment. Like we don't really do that, do we? Like just stop to see beauty because we're moving so fast. We, we long for God to speak in a burning bush and yet we leave his word in a drawer or on the shelf 
ignored when he's spoken and it's perfect and it's true and it's right and we're just like, mm, where's that burning bush? <laughs> I really want to hear God speak. The thing I've been reminded of is that God is constantly speaking. It's something that I've learned through the sabbatical as I've had the opportunity to kind of cease from the routine and the rhythm to slow down enough. I've learned some things about myself in this. So I kind of want to share four of them. There's been a lot that God's been doing in my life over these three months. But I kind of want to use this as a launching pad, as an example, an application, if you will, of how God has used this journey of the truth of his word in the time of rest in his creation from mountains to the ocean side to just renew my own spirit that was desperately needed. The first thing that I've learned is this. And it was early on, it's that God is wild and untamed. Here's what I mean by that. I grew up not in Orlando. I, I grew up in the mountains, so I grew up hunting. I feel like sometimes saying that here, it's weird. Like I grew up, yes, like wearing camo, waking up before the sun rises, walking through the woods quietly, climbing a tree, perching myself up in a tree stand or hiding in a ground blind. And then we sat for hours, sometimes day after day in the silence, not moving, waiting for the deer, the bear, the turkey to come through so that we could harvest it and then eat it for dinner. There is a, a wildness that God is untamed. If you run through the woods and you're banging pots and pans and you're making noise and you're hurrying through the woods, all you're going to see is that little white tail of the deer running away. That's all you're going to see. You're never going to be able to, to draw near, especially as they have to get close, like with the bow and arrow. Like, they have to get close. This picture, I, I believe that's on the, the screen. I can't remember which one. Is this of the mountain? Oh, the ocean. All these pictures are from the sabbatical. There, there was one, I think it's the, the title slide, that was my view from the mountain house. I ended up setting out 180 pounds worth of corn to, to watch the deer and turkey come in. I didn't shoot them. I just wanted to like watch them. I, just, I also enjoy just watching wildlife. And I remember I was sitting there on the, the porch and the squirrel comes up. And I'm just really still. And the squirrel kind of like, it comes right up next to me and then it comes right under my chair. And I'm just sitting there. All of a sudden, I got a little bit nervous, like it was going to like jump up and bite my butt or something. But I'm like, just stay still. Like, I don't know what this thing is doing. It's right there. And then it just kind of walked on. Here's why that stands out to me. What God was showing me from his word in the call to be still and know that I am God. I think I was treating God like a pet on a leash that's tame. I was running through life, one meeting to the next. Let's pray to open the meeting. Okay, God, sit. Okay, God, speak. 
I'm listening now. Okay, on to the next thing. Good boy. It's a crass way to describe a relationship with God, right? But if we're honest, that's what I was doing. Rather than like God is an untamed, wild animal who will speak when he wants to speak and do as he pleases. And he is not on a leash accompanying my schedule and my busyness. I am surrendered to his schedule and his purposes. I'll listen when he speaks. And I cannot chase it and I cannot demand it. I cannot say, here's your five minutes, God. I I have a schedule to keep. I've had to rearrange my entire schedule, the pace I was keeping to slow down, even as I returned, even as ministry and work and personal responsibilities increase. Like, I need to create a change that my heart is surrendered to God in His leading and not just asking God to stay on a leash and follow my agenda. There are things that, that God would show from his, his Word that then I felt like He would demonstrate in creation. There, there was times when it talks about like the power in the peace of God. And you can read this in the text and you can say, yes, this is true. God is powerful. He is a, a refuge, but, but He is dangerous and wild and, and powerful that deserves my all in respect. And then, Kirsten and I, we, we went to this waterfall, this river that seemingly just like dropped and continued forward. It wasn't like this narrow waterfall. It was wide, and it was beautiful. You could hear the rushing of the water, and we stood there just in amazement at the beauty of the mountains and the the river cutting through and the way the whole thing dropped into this waterfall. And it was this peaceful scene. And then at the same time, you you see the power of thousands of gallons of water crashing over the edge onto the, the rocks, splashing up. And you, you, you think, like, what would it be like to be there? Like, that would be terrifying to be in the midst of that. And then all of a sudden, the words from the psalmist that, that, that we had read about in the morning felt like it was being demonstrated as we stood there on the bank of the river beholding this waterfall, saying, look at the peace, the breeze that's coming off the river. Look at its power and the sheer terror if we were to stand in the midst of that. Isn't our God similar? Isn't that like but a fraction of who our God is? of his, his power and the peace that's there. And, and all of a sudden, the, this moment that wasn't planned, wasn't expected, God was speaking from his word and in creation. And the thing that you have to learn to do is stop. You can't run through the woods. He is not tame, but he is good, as the classic Narnia quote goes, that I need it to slow down. I also learned that there was a a difference between introspection and examination. And and here's what I, I mean by that. It was during my second week of the sabbatical, and I kind of had to look back at my journal, and it was this, since I, I read this quote, and it said, the sin of introspection. 
do you ever read something and you're like, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> like, I don't know if I agree with that. What do you mean? Tell me more. So I had to kind of like chase that rabbit trail a little bit because I didn't like it. Mainly I didn't like it because I consider myself a rather introspective person. And I've always seen that as a virtue, not a vice. And so when it calls it a sin, I have an issue with that because now you're talking about me, right? So it's like, let's talk more. And this is how it describes it. Here was a subtle difference that then God has used further through the time. It defined the sin of introspection when we stand beside ourselves and we look at ourselves critically and often with condemnation rather than looking at God and how he sees us. Now that kind of hurt because, yes, I am introspective, and, yes, I normally start at my day with that process, like, you're not good enough, you didn't do enough, do better, be better, good luck. Like, it, it is this kind of sense of it's critical, it's here's, oh, look at all my faults, like, okay, God, help me. And surrendering that to God, but it was this very critical nature. Verse, what I would say is a biblical spiritual examination is looking to God. And as we sang in the first song, I am who you say I am. Not who I say I am. Not in what I see. I am who you say I am. And and sometimes that's good and sometimes you're pointing out things that are sinful and wrong in me. Imagine this. Imagine you have symptoms. You have these symptoms of a a headache. Difficulty thinking, like concentration's been hard, you're cranky, your personality is starting to to get off, you're feeling weak, you're feeling dizzy. And so you decide to go to Google, and you're going to type in those symptoms and see what comes up. I'm cautious in saying this, knowing the stories represented here, but if you look those up, it's going to come up as a brain tumor. So if you look at this, now you self-diagnose and you're like, I have a brain tumor. I have six weeks. You sell your house, you quit your job, you're just like, this is it. You start saying goodbye. Like, that's introspection. It's the Google search. Here's my understanding. Verse going to the doctor. He looks at those very same symptoms. You can Google those. Go back and listen to what I said. I actually did this to ensure. And the doctor looks at you and he runs tests. And the doctor who actually knows who, like, knows you says, actually, you're dehydrated. Here's an IV. Drink some water and go home. One is introspection, how we see ourselves when we just think critically, we assume the worst, and everything's there. Examination is where that prayer came from. Lord, here's my heart. Speak what's true. Look at what it says in the psalmist. In Psalm 19, 12, who perceives his unintentional sins? It's a rhetorical question. Do you know your unintentional sins? The things that are hidden from you, your hidden faults, do you know them? Like, well, by definition, they're hidden, right? You don't know them. They're hidden from you. God knows them. There were things about my heart I do not know. 
There are emotions and motives that I have that I do not understand, but God understands. So rather than me standing beside myself doing a Google search of all my faults and failures and how I should condemn myself, it is much better for me to come before God, behold Him, and say, Lord, here's my heart. Speak what's true. Because I don't know. I don't know the hidden areas in my life. I don't know what's true. That has to be revealed to me. And then I'll surrender and I'll walk in them. Keep your servant, it says in verse 13, from willful sins. Don't let them rule over me. Then I will be blameless and cleansed. Look, there's things I know. There's things I don't know. In the end, I need God's help. And here's how that played out. I had to practice this. Begin each day. And th- there was times I was like, I would wake up and I actually journaled. I'm like, man, I feel like I'm not doing anything. Like, like I- I'm not accomplishing enough. Like I'm used to being driven in task A in my checklist. And I was like, I don't feel like I'm wasting this time. I'm wasting the sabbatical. Oh no. And it's like, and it, it, it like took on this condemning sense. And then I'm like, well, I- I'm supposed to be relaxing. <laughs> like that's kind of the point. And I'm like, oh yeah. Like I was so quick to judge myself. And God helped undo some of that, but then sometimes what God reveals are those hidden areas. For me, one of the things that's a little vulnerable to put up on this screen is how fear and anger had gripped my heart beneath the surface. There were hidden things I didn't know. I I was warned this would, would happen. There was this time I, I was by myself in, by the Gulf of Mexico, and I took a kayak out to the sandbar to fish. And so I, I kind of went out a little ways, and I took a fishing rod, and I, I was able just to stand out in the middle of the water on the sandbar and, and fish. But then a shark came and, like, broke everything, so now I have to, like, make my way home. But a storm comes up. I can't remember if it was that day or another day. And I remember <laughs> I had called Kirsten afterwards because my adrenaline got going a bit. I'm, I don't kayak a lot, and the winds really kicked up. And I'm a larger guy, like maybe overweight for the kayak, so they sink down, right? And so the, the waves start like crashing over the kayak, right? And I'm just like, I'm, I'm going to die. Like, this is it. Like, I need to like kayak back here and, and it's hitting from the side because I'm trying to get back to the inlet and the waves are coming up over the boat. And so I'm like, okay, just focus. I just looked at my feet and I'm like, just slow and steady. Just keep your center of gravity as this thing's rocking every which way. And so obviously I made it back and everything was fine and it's probably being overly dramatic, but that's my story. (laughs) That's what it felt like. But they said the sabbatical would be like that. Like there's times in life it feels like that, doesn't it? Like, man, the waves are hitting me, the wind's blowing. I feel like I'm just going to flip over and I don't know how deep this water is. I'm going to drown. Like, this is it. And you're just like slow and steady. Just stay upright, right? And you're just trying to go through life not drowning. And then there's times when the water is clear. And then you can kind of see the fish swimming beneath. In some places, you could even see the, the ground beneath. And then all of a sudden, things that were beneath the surface start coming to the top. That's what was happening. There were things as the pace of life slowed down, God began to 
helped me see that, that there was fear and there was anger. And I'm not going to go into like all the personal details with this other than to say it didn't just go away. Like it was a couple weeks. You know how the psalmist at one point he prays like he's almost talking to his soul before God like why so downcast, oh my soul? I was like, why so angry? Oh, my soul. There was fear that had gripped me of losses. There was anger from my dad's passing. And I came across a voice message of his voice that kind of set me down this path. And there was just a lot that was there. And the only way I know how to describe it is in the boat analogy, something like pulling you back as you're trying to move forward. If you've ever had, had asthma, which I have, like you try to take a deep breath and it feels like your lungs are being constricted and, and you can't quite catch your breath and it can almost cause a panic until you take the inhaler and hold it and you can almost just feel the fibers release and like, ah, I can catch my breath. That's how it began to feel as if the, the fear and anger was like constricting my spirit. And God was loosening them. And I could catch my breath. There was a renewing of life of what his word says that was beginning to happen as I saw him more clearly. And I saw my pain and losses more clearly in light of who Christ is rather than just what they were. It was something that took time, patience. But slowly, he began to deal with these hidden areas in my life. That's what I see when I read this passage. But again, it raises the question, are we listening? There's one final thing that it really wasn't until the end, it wasn't until like weeks 9, 10, towards the end that I began to realize that there was a difference between relaxing and resting. See, at first, like relaxing, the way I would define it now is it's that ceasing of physical activity to allow a rejuvenation of your body or mind. If your work is physical, it's like having a glass of water and, and physically resting. If you're your work is more mentally engaging and, and taxing. It's allowing, re relaxing is that, that sense of ceasing from work so that it allows your body and mind to recuperate. And, and by God's grace, we were able to do that, to relax. But it was only as we relaxed and those waters calmed that these other things then came to the surface. And it was after God then began to deal with some of those things that all of a sudden it was one day and it was like one particular day, all of a sudden it hit me like, this is rest. Like, this is different. The only way I know how to describe it, it was as if my spirit caught up with my body. It was as if I was running at such a pace in life and in ministry and trying to just pull God along to bless what was happening But then by stopping, it was like, oh, like I'm fully present. Like in the moment, in 
now. I can breathe and I can be. And all of a sudden, like there was this rest. It's, it's hard to describe and I could have never read about it until it was experienced. And I'm like, if this is only a fraction of what God invites us into for all eternity, for each and every believer, I can't wait. Because I know this is not in full. I know this is but a, a glimpse. And I know it won't always feel like this. But I am willing and I want to readjust life and ministry to allow space for me to be present and hear from God as he speaks. And so in conclusion, I want to ask this. Our journeys are different. Like, I understand that, that I've had a unique privilege over the past three months to, to be on sabbatical. Each of our stories and journeys are different. And yet, the God whom we serve in the person of Jesus Christ is exactly the same. He's the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. The God who speaks, who's babbling on and on and on about his glory and his invisible attributes, the one whose testimony is true and trustworthy, who gives life, whose word is without error. He's speaking abundantly. The question is, are we listening? Let me put it another way. What needs to change this week, today, so that you can listen more effectively this coming week than you did last week? Like, do you desire? What would you hope to hear from God? That question at the beginning of God at the pinnacle of the mountain, what would you hope to hear? And then to know that God is speaking. The question is, are you listening? What needs to change are there things that need to slow down in your life to create space so that you can hear his voice? Are there noises and distractions that you unintentionally or quite honestly intentionally invite in because we don't like silence? And so there's music in the background and there's news on the background and there's TV in the background. And we intentionally invite noise so that we don't actually have to let the waters calm too much to see what's beneath the surface. And we do it to ourselves because we think there's comfort there. And meanwhile, God is saying, I'm speaking and there's life and there's renewal and there's comfort and there's clarity and there's wisdom in my word. He's speaking abundantly. Are you listening? Let's pray.